Okay, guys, we're, we're in Lesson 7. We've been going through 1 Thessalonians, and I want to pause for a moment. We're going to have two pauses in our study as we go through 1 and 2 Thessalonians. One pause has to do with the subject that we're going to talk about today, which is the rapture. The next pause is when we get into 2 Thessalonians, and it's going to have to do with the issue of the Antichrist. Because 2 Thessalonians talks about the Antichrist, I'm going to kind of fill you in a little bit more about the Antichrist from the Scripture, but we've got to do a whole other lesson for that, okay? Today, we t- last week we talked about what 1 Thessalonians said about the issue of the rapture. We're going to talk today a little bit more specifically about that to kind of help you to understand. And so let's kind of move there and talk about it first. First of all, as we start off, I need to kind of tell you where I'm at, okay? You know, when I uh, first became a believer, I went to a little bitty independent Baptist church in West Columbia, South Carolina. And, you know, when you're a young Christian, you're just learning, you're soaking in things. And so you assume a theological position a lot of times because that's what you're taught. And then you view the scriptures that way. But as I've gotten older now, my theology is not informed by what I was taught, but but by what I read in the scripture. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so um, when I was first saved, and when those early years, even in the early years in ministry, I was pretty hardened about the whole rapture issue. Like if you weren't a pre-trib rapture person, you were almost, in my mind, a heretic. You, you anathema to hell with you, okay? Literally, because you're denying the return of Jesus. Now, I, I'm going to be honest with you, maybe it's because I'm getting older, I've mellowed, okay? And maybe it's because I've come in contact with other people, and maybe it's also because I actually think it's because I've studied the Scripture, and the reality is, is even though my position hasn't changed, I don't view people who have something as a different viewpoint harshly, and I'll tell you why. We'll see it here in a moment. And that's because of the whole issue of the scriptural support. So we're kind of going to kind of go through this, and what I'm going to try to, to kind of guide you in here is don't be so dogmatic about whatever your position is. That's true of anything about the end times, okay? Now, there are some things that are flat out wrong like saying Jesus came back in A.D. 70. That's just flat out wrong, okay? Why? Because the scripture doesn't support that, okay? So let's kind of go, go through it first. We're going to talk about this scriptural support. Now here's the difficulty. When you, talk about, when you talk about the issue of the rapture, it's a difficult topic to talk about with some people because some people just don't see it. And the reason why, well, let's just kind of go through this. First of all, there are only two direct passages in the Scripture that support the doctrine of the rapture. Now you say, wait a minute, George, hold on. I know that I was reading a guy the other day, and he was telling me there are 15 verses that support the rapture. Okay, hold on to your thought for a moment. Let me get to my next point, okay? I'm saying there's only two direct passages, all right? Direct means it's directly discussed, all right? 
Now, there are others that claim that there are many verses that support the doctrine. So, again, when we talk about this issue, you're going to have people who are very hardened in their position, and they will come up with a whole lot of other reasons why, such as when you go to... I'll I'll give you an example. Go to Revelation chapter 4. Okay? Hold... Go to Revelation chapter 4. All right, now, I want you to read, I'll read to you verse 1. Now remember, chapter 1, he sees a vision of Jesus. Jesus tells him to write the things which which he has seen, which are, and which are to come. That verse basically kind of gives you an outline of what the book of Revelation is. So chapter 1 is the things he has seen. Chapter 2 and 3 are the things which are. Those are the letters to the seven churches. Then you come to chapter 4 through the end of the book, and that is the things which are to come, talking about the future. Now the people who are very adamant about a pre-tribulational rapture will point to verse 1 as a support for the rapture. Now let me read it to you, and then I'm going to ask you, can anyone tell me where the rapture is mentioned here in this verse? After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. Okay, first of all, when he says after these things, he's talking about chapters 2 and 3. All right? So now, where do you see the rapture in this verse? Anybody see the rapture in this verse? Okay, you're close, Bruce. Forget the trumpet. Okay, but yeah, the trumpet. Voice like a trumpet. That means it's loud, not a trumpet. But the voice is, come up here. All right, now I want everybody to look at your Bibles. Come up here, and then what's the next part of that sentence? What? Well, no, what? Come up here. Okay, so who's he talking to here? Or is everybody, okay, how many of you would say that he's talking to John? John, you come up here, I'm about to show you some things. How many would agree with that? Okay. Die hard, pre-tribulational rapture people say the come up here refers to the rapture. Really? The text has to be within the context, and it has to be pretty obvious. See, remember I told you I had a gentleman show up here when I was going through chapter 4, and he said, did you talk about the rapture at the beginning? I I was like, what? We're in the throne room of God in chapter 4. Well, then I realized as I was doing some studying later that this is a position that some of the pre-tribulational rapture people hold, that verse 1 of chapter 4 refers to the rapture. Now, folks, I'm a pre-tribulational rapture person. But I don't believe this verse supports it. Do you understand what I'm saying? I don't need this verse to support it. Why? 
Because I got two other direct passages that talk about it. Do you understand what I'm saying? And I've got it because I've got a guy who also says that he was taught it by the Lord Jesus himself, Paul in 1 Thessalonians. And then when I go to Revelation chapter 3, the church at Philippi, he said, Jesus himself says to a church in AD 90, you're not going to experience these things in the last days. And we're going to talk about those verses here in a moment. So here's what I'm trying to say. There are others that claim that there are many verses that support this doctrine. I, I don't think so. But you don't need it. Okay, Mike. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yes, but the problem is, is the language doesn't support that. No, it's but yeah. the fact that the word come up here. Yeah, but he's talking to, he's not talking to the church, because you've got to take it in context of what's being said here. He's getting ready to show him what's going to happen in the future. Oh, I understand. Yes. But you'd have to make that really stretch, and you'd have to forget the second part of the sentence. Okay? Yeah, Daddy. So, like when he says that while the door is still open, so the door's going to be closed during the rapture. No, this has nothing to do with the rapture. This is a vision John is having. Let's set the context here. John is seeing heaven open up, a door open, and a door saying, hey, come up here, we want to show you what's going on. It's just in context of his vision. Okay? Has nothing to do with the rapture. I'm just saying people who are very adamant about a position will go to this verse and say this verse is talking about that, but it's not talking about that. The obvious reading is, okay? But you know what? When I read 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 through 18, I can see that it's talking about a what? Rapture. Do you understand? I don't need to twist that into something else. Okay? So let's go on. Now, a closer examination of these verses reveal problems in the interpretation. I just showed you an example of that. When you have people who try to present more text to, to validate what's going on here, it presents problems in the interpretation. Okay? So I'll give you an example. I just saw this the other day. Kindle, how many of you have a Kindle or have a Kindle reading app and you read books? Okay, all right. Now, sometimes you'll get see free books. Now, I'm going to tell you a free book do not get. And it's a book concerning the voice of the seven thunders. Now, the voice of the seven thunders is in the book of Revelation. Well, shouldn't we get that book to figure out what it's saying? No. Because John heard the voice of the seven thunders, he was getting ready to write down what the voice of the seven thunders was saying, and John was told, don't write them down. Well, if John didn't hear what the voice of the seven thunders is, why would you want to buy a book that explains it? Because that author sure didn't hear it. Did you understand what I'm saying? you got to be careful. Do you understand? Be careful of some pe people who have interpretations, because when you look at the verses... It reveals problems with the interpretation. Now, let's have a principle of understanding here, okay? So it must be understood 
that you don't need a multitude of verses to support a doctrine. You don't need a multitude of verses to support a doctrine. Okay? You don't need a multitude of verses. We talked about this a little bit last week. An example of this is the virgin birth of Jesus Christ found in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. Now, George, hold on a second. There's actually two verses that talk about the virgin birth. There's the prophecy in Isaiah. How many of you would say that? George, there's the prophecy in Isaiah, okay? Actually, be, be, are you ready? Because... And don't stone me, because people used to, years ago, say, Oh, you're taken away from the virgin birth. No, I'm not. Because the text in Isaiah says this, And the young woman shall conceive. The word woman there can be, it is a Hebrew word that has a dual meaning. It's sometimes used for virgin, and it's sometimes used for a young woman. Okay? Now, in the context of Isaiah, the prophecy that was given was given to King Ahaz, telling him by the time this woman conceives and her child is weaned, these kings that you fear are going to be no more. So the prophecy had a short-term fulfillment if you consider the word says what? Woman, but the prophecy. This is isn't God amazing how He does things. He chooses a word that also says what means what virgin. It has another meaning, another prophetic, and that is what Matthew is quoting in chapter one, verse twenty-three. Do you understand where Jesus Christ was born of a virgin? So whether you want to say one verse or two verses, we believe in the virgin birth, right? Nobody's arguing about that. Well, liberals are arguing about that, right? Everybody else isn't arguing about that. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. So, so you have to realize you don't need a whole multitude of verses to support something. All right. So let's talk about the two direct passages provide more than enough support for the doctrine. The two direct passages provide more than enough support for the doctrine. So let's talk about the two passages. All right. We already saw one passage last week, which was 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. It is noteworthy that Paul was taught about the rapture by Jesus Christ himself. So this doctrine is not just a Pauline doctrine, it's from who? Jesus. Do you understand? Because somebody would say, oh, that's just Paul. None of the other apostles mentioned it. It really doesn't matter if any of the apostles mentioned it. Paul says, Jesus Christ taught this himself. Okay? All right? Now, let's go on to the second passage. It's in Revelation chapter 3, verse 10. Let me read that to you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole earth to test those who live on the earth. He's talking to the church here. He's saying to them, it's because you are enduring patiently. Folks, are you enduring patiently right now in this world? You better believe it. 
Okay? He says, because you're enduring patiently for your faith, I'm going to keep you from the hour of trial. Now, he's going to phrase it here. He's not just talking about difficult circumstances, because you can say, well, I have hours of trial all the time. Yeah, but notice how else he qualifies it here. It's an hour of trial that's going to come upon who? The whole earth. What's he referring to here? The tribulation. Okay? This verse actually talks about a rapture, but it also talks about a rapture occurring when? Before the hour of trial. Do you understand? Before the hour of trial. Uh, To test those who live on the earth. We're going to be exempt from that. Do you understand? So these are the two verses. Do you think that's more than enough verses? Yeah, I think so. Okay. But you say, George, how come people don't say that? Because I've got a friend, and he's going to this church over here, and they got this pre-wrath something or another, or this person thinks that's the second coming that it's talking about, and la-da-da-da-da, you know, What's going on here? Well, here's what we're going to do the rest of our time. We're going to talk about the different views. Okay? We're going to talk about the different views of the rapture. And I'm going to encourage you to be patient. Okay? I'm going to tell you to be patient. Because, to be honest with you, it's one thing to separate from somebody who doesn't believe in the bodily return of Jesus. Period. The second coming. It's okay if your Christian friend has a different view on the what? Rapture. All right? It's one thing to deny the return of Jesus. It's another thing to have a different view. And you'll see why as we go through these views. First of all, the pre-tribulational view. This is Georgie's view. This is the view of our church. Okay? There will be a seven-year period when God's wrath is poured out on the world. All right, stop for a moment. How many of you have heard people say that we're living in the tribulation? You heard that? Okay. Well, we've been living in it for a while, haven't we? If you're talking about tough times, tough times aren't the tribulation. When you read about the tribulation from Revelation, there are some really some serious judgment things happening. You And, and here, it's a seven-year period which Daniel says begins when there's a peace treaty where? With Israel. Okay? Daniel says it begins with a peace treaty in Israel. So the pre-tribulational view is is that it realizes that there is a seven-year period. Why? Where do we get seven years from? Book of Daniel, book of Revelation. Okay? Book of Daniel, book of Revelation. There's a seven-year period when God's wrath will be poured out on the world. The church will be removed or raptured before the tribulation begins. Now, I don't know exactly at what point. I don't know when the, if it's the minute the signature ends on the peace treaty or if it's right before the peace treaty is signed or it might be a week later or two years. I don't know exactly when, but at some point before the tribulation, the church will be gone. The Lord will take the church to spare them from the hour of testing that's to come upon the whole world, okay? Now, this will occur when the fullness of the Gentiles has come. What are you talking about now? Well, let's go to 
Romans chapter 11. Go to Romans chapter 11. This is the one thing you will not hear anyone talking about when it comes to the issue of the end times. Chapter 11, verse 25. Here's what he says. For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion that the blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come. Here's what I want you to understand. When we enter into the tribulation, the scales are going to begin to be lifted off of the eyes of Israel, and Israel is going to come to Christ during the tribulation. But before that happens the fullness of the Gentiles must take place. Now, what are you talking about the fullness? Well, can I tell you the word fullness is also translated full number of the Gentiles has come. What's it talking about there? Scholars believe that the full number means the number of Gentiles who are to be saved. You understand? Now, here's the problem. We have over 5,000 people groups in the world that have never heard of Jesus yet. Really? And let, let me just go ahead and put a little bit, little bit, a different spin on it. More than half of them are Muslim. But we're not interested in reaching Muslims but we have to wait until the full number of the Gentiles come before Jesus starts the events, huh? Isn't that interesting? Sounds like we got work to do, right? We've got work to do to reach a world for Christ. That, that's the reality. And, and to be honest with you, I know if you ignore our press here, if you actually are aware of what's going on in the Christian world outside of the U.S., I know that God is doing works among the Muslim groups. Whole people groups are, are hearing the gospel and some are responding. But there's still 5,000 people groups yet, yet to hear. Did you understand what I'm saying? Yet to hear. We have a responsibility of missions. Did you understand what I'm saying? So this is all the pre-tribulational view. All right? This is all the pre-tribulational rapture view. All right? So, let's go on. The next, are any questions about the pre-tribulational view? I'm going to go through each view. I'm going to ask you to answer it, ask any question so that we make sure you understand. This is the position of our church. Oh, there'll be more Gentiles because, uh, because it, we're in the age of the Gentiles right now. Yes, yeah, yeah. Because that's, the scales do not come off of the eyes of Israel until the number of Gentiles is complete. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? All right, anybody else with a question? Now, 
let's, that's Paul's view. Also, I need you to recognize that Jesus also said about that every, every people group would come. There would be somebody from every... Jesus in his gospel says the very same thing. So it's not just the Apostle Paul. I'm not just stretching this to make it sound like we need to do missions. Jesus also mentions it in the gospels. We're a pro- yeah, because we're going to pr- when we enter into the tribulation, things change. But even before that, I mean, you're, they're saying it's a full night of Gentiles, but we know more Gentiles saved until after the tribulation. Well, we have to somehow. There are Gentiles mentioned being saved I, in the I Book of Revelation. It, Yeah, well, it's not just a couple. There's a vision of thousands who still come. But you're talking about a world with 7 billion people in it. But there's going to be, what I'm trying to say is there'll be a cutoff. There'll be a cutoff because when you enter into the tribulation, I want everybody to understand me. When you enter into the tribulation, there's still going to be a remnant, a remnant, and we're talking a small number of people who get saved, who refuse to wear the mark. But the scripture very clearly says that those who take the mark, there is no hope for them. Do you understand what I'm saying? They've sealed their faith because they've entered into a period of what? Judgment. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, there's a significance to the rapture thing. The rapture thing sets in motion events that are going to, that is the hour that's going to test this world. Do you understand what I'm saying? Judgment. And we have a whole series online that you can listen to, taught by George himself on Revelation. Okay? Maybe we need to go do that series again. Do you, do you understand? Yeah. Uh, Denny, leadership as far as what? You mean as... No, they're, no, no. The church, there are people who are going to come to Christ during, but it's not like they're going to be a part of a church because you have to understand the scripture says that the people of God, the Antichrist, will be seeking to destroy them. Okay? He's going to make war against anybody who believes. Now, not all Israel is going to believe, but there are Israel who's going to turn. And really, right before Jesus comes back, Daniel tells us that the nation of Israel will come to a point where it will be almost destroyed by the Antichrist. That's when they completely turn to Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because they have no hope. Do you understand what I'm saying? They have no hope. They turn to Christ. Okay? They turn to Christ. So... Yeah, maybe we do need to do a series, huh? Sometime, okay? Uh, just to kind of go through and refresh our minds because there is so much stuff out there that you can get confused by. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? The Scripture has more than enough to help you, okay? So this is the pre-tribulational view. Let me go on to the next one. Okay, this is the mid-tribulational view. Now, this view says there is a rapture, but the rapture is going to occur in the middle of the tribulation. So the church will be removed 
in the middle of the tribulation. So you're going to see that this view believes that the church is going to experience some of the stuff that happens in the tribulational period. Now, what? how do they come up with this view? Well, so for instance, let me ask you a question here. When you think about the ten plagues that came upon Egypt, were the Jews exempt from all ten plagues? Oh, I have some people who read their Bibles here. That's exactly right. It wasn't until maybe the third or fourth plague that they began to be exempt, where God made a distinction between Israel and Egypt. Does anybody know why that would God make the Jews go through the plagues, the first few plagues? Why would he do that? Well, yeah, Brad said to get their attention. Mary said to obey the law. Well, they didn't have the law yet, but to obey Moses. Because remember, Moses said, set my people free. Pharaoh said, we'll make bricks without straw then. And they said to Moses, we want nothing to do with you. Well, they had to experience some tough times to get their minds back in order. See, the mid-tribulational people say that the church has to go through a little bit of the first few judgments to get their attention, okay? So, the church will endure the events of the first half of the tribulation. So this is the mid-trib view. Now, you'll see people who, you'll meet people occasionally who have this view. I have met people like this, okay? I have met people like this. Anybody got a question about this view? Now remember, I'm not a holder of this view, so I'm not going to be the advocate of this view, okay? What were you going to say, Lori? That's simply because I just wrote down what they believed, okay? Um, yeah, because the, they just view it as in the middle. They, did you understand what I'm saying? Because they, what they do is they take this view as well as some other views, takes Romans chapter 3, verse 10, and tries to pinpoint when the hour of trial is. They would say the hour of trial is not the whole seven-year period, but the three and a half years. That's when they believe that the great tribulation begins, is that three and a half years, okay? All right, let's go on, the post-tribulational view. This view is held by primarily people who are Reformed and Presbyterian, okay? The church will endure all of the judgments in the tribulation until the second coming. So with this view, when Jesus gets ready to come back in his second coming, the church is going to meet him in the air, and then they're going to turn right around and come back with him. That's this view, okay? So we're going to go through all of the stuff of the tribulation, problem with this view that George has is it doesn't take into account Revelation chapter 3 verse 10. Okay? They would say probably the hour of trial there is when Jesus comes back and destroys everything. I, I think that's, that's not a good point. Okay? Now, this view does not necessarily see a distinction between the church and Israel. See, most Presbyterians don't see a distinction between the church and Israel. Stop for a moment. That is a position of our church. We see that 
the church, and Israel are two different things. Do you understand? God has a plan for the church. It's made up of both Jews and Gentiles. But God also has a plan for who? Israel. And it comes out of the Old Testament with all of the promises that have yet to be fulfilled. And we see that in, um, we see that in the book of Revelation as well. Okay, so we see a distinction. There is a term for why we say that. We are a dispensational church. Do you understand? That is our form of theology here. We believe in a dispensational view of the scripture. Okay? All right. Now, anybody got a question about the post view? Post view. Okay. Now, here's one that came up about 25 years ago. 25 years ago, there was a new view that emerged, and it's called the pre-wrath view. How many of you have ever heard of the pre-wrath view? Not very many, but there's a lot of pastors who have, okay? The pre-wrath view sees the rapture as a combination of the first three views. They would say that the pre-wrath view is actually some of the the pre-trib view, the mid-trib view, and the post-trib view, okay? This view believes that all believers will be exempt from the wrath of God. Now, they would probably, this view would say the wrath of God is the bold judgments for sure. We would be exempt from the bold judgments and some maybe of the trumpet judgments, okay? Now, this view does not believe that all believers will be exempt from the seven-year period. Okay? This view sees a distinction between the wrath of Satan and the wrath of God. See, you and I, they would say, are exempt from the wrath of God. That is his judgment. But we're not exempt from the wrath of Satan. That is the war that Satan makes upon God's people. That's two different things to them. Okay? The difficulty I have with that is, is when you read the book of Revelation and you see the wrath of Satan poured out on humanity, it's because it's part of God's judgment. Do you understand what I'm saying? God uses the wrath of Satan to carry out his wrath on the world. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay? Now, during the great tribute, wait a minute. This view sees the day of the Lord coming at the end of the tribulation. All right? They see the day of the Lord at the end of the tribulation. Now, during the great tribulation, believers will be raptured out before God's wrath is poured out. During the great tribulation, believers will be raptured out before God's wrath is poured out. Now, let me just stop for a moment. I need to tell you some people. How many of you like to read and listen to John Piper? How many of you like John Piper? Okay, John Piper is a premillennialist. A historic premillennial. He's not a dispensational premillennialist. He is a historic premillennialist. John Piper believes in a mid-tribulational view. 
He believes in a mid-trip view. Okay? How many of you like walking a word with James McDonald? Okay? James McDonald is a pre-wrath man. Or something between a pre-wrath and a mid-trib man. Just being honest with you, I've heard him say that. I've heard him right on his program say that. Okay? That's where he's at. You know, you're listening to all these guys, you need to understand where they're at. Now, having said that, oh, I need to quit listening to them. I didn't say that. I'm telling you, don't be dogmatic. Are they wrong? Yeah, I think they're wrong. But is everybody right on everything? Not on prophecy. Now, if, if John McGar, if, if, if John Piper came and said Jesus isn't returning bodily, I'm going to tell you to turn him off. Because that's a denial of one of the fundamentals of the faith is that we believe Jesus Christ is coming back. See, you have to understand. You see what I'm saying? Okay? Different views. Now, there is another view, and it has nothing to do with the timing of the rapture. It's called the partial rapture view. This view is not concerned with the timing of the rapture. Those who believe in a partial rapture are not concerned with the timing of the rapture. Well, what are they concerned about? Well, this view concerns who will be raptured. So they go to the Gospels where Jesus said there are two in the field, and one is taken and one is left. They point to these verses as referring to the rapture and that one will be taken and one will be left. Problem is, is what the word taken there is a term of judgment. One will be taken in judgment. Do you understand? Meaning they're going to go to hell, not go be with Jesus. But this view concerns the issue of who will be raptured. Okay? So when the rapture happens, this view says there are some people who are going to be left behind because they didn't have good enough faith. They weren't ready. Okay? Only those who are watching and waiting will be raptured. That's what this view says. We do not believe this. That is not the position of our church. Okay? We believe that if you are saved, you're going to go. Did you understand what I'm saying? So, because here's the thing. Can I be, how do you know if you're watching and waiting? Did you, I mean, how do you, how do you determine that? Do you know what I'm saying? This is, this is the whole issue. Okay. Now, then there is a final view. Okay. And you'll hear some people espousing this. Okay. A final view. It's called the no rapture view. This view does not see the rapture as a distinct event from the second coming. So what they do is they'll take the two verses that we use as a support and say, oh, these are just talking about the second coming. There is no rapture. What he's talking about in Revelation chapter 3, verse 10, he's talking about the second coming. What he's talking about in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18, that's talking about the second coming. So this view says there is no rapture whatsoever. Now, here's one other point I want to make. Passages concerning the rapture are speaking of the second coming. That's what they're saying. Okay? That's what they're saying. 